Hi, this is uh, Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And uh, this is episode 9 of uh, Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together, uh, talk about teaching, and uh, things that we found that have worked, things that haven't, um, and things that we're still very confused about. Um, stuff that the people don't, you know, other teachers don't often talk about. Um, today uh, is uh, kind of our bitch session. Pet peeves. Pet peeves. Pet peeves. Stuff that drives us nuts. Something we know about. Like the tech talk. Here's a topic we know about. <laughs> With a lot of experience complaining about stuff. That's for damn sure. That's for yeah, sure. I think everybody's got pet peeves. And um, so, Tode, I think you have this wonderful story to start off with. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to dump on the, the students soon enough. But this this first one goes out to, to schools. And it, it uh, the general the general category is uh, the way that some schools, some departments, um, will, you know, pretty play pretty fast and loose with marketing and labeling and um, they'll have a course that might be called something like English communication or communication in English or general English etc etc and um, what it really is is a test preparation (laughs) course and uh, you get all kinds of conflicts because they can't come out and say it but whenever you are trying to put together the course that in any way makes sense in terms of its title, you end up hitting your um, your head against a brick wall. And uh, a couple of years ago, in fact, one of the it had been one of the the best schools that uh, that I was teaching at, one of the most enjoyable. Anyway, I mean, wonderful kids and small classes and a lot of teacher autonomy. I did some restructuring, and uh, they were going to track students and uh, have a common syllabus. And uh, what they did was. Um, had these, you know, English communication classes, which previously the, the teacher was able to select their own textbooks, um, pretty much do their own syllabus and tailor things the way that, you know, they, they teach and the way the students learn. Um, changed it to what turned out to be a TOEIC preparation class. And um, so you'd have classes that used to be 15 to 20, now would be about 40 to 45. They would the students would be reshuffled uh, based on uh, some test performance at the semester, and the 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 coup de gras was the um, the textbook selection. And so what student teachers were given for the first semester was a TOEIC test preparation self study book, and for the second semester, the workbook for said test preparation, and those were the textbooks that were given. Um, I what? Well, I what do know how it worked out. But I didn't hang around to find out. It wasn't his first hand, but I do know exactly how it turned out. I'm sorry. What was the title of the course again? Uh, English communication. So it was English communication, and every one of us who teaches would just assume that that's a, a conversation class, talking <laughs> class. <laughs> some, some at some at some level. And okay. And when did you find out what textbooks you were using? I mean, how much before? How many weeks or months before the semester? Oh, they started? gave us many- pretty good. They gave us pretty good warning. We had about six months, four months. Which is, I guess, why you don't know how it turned out, correct? Well, I, no, I didn't hang around. <laughs> no, <laughs> I said, okay. You have my notice now. <laughs> Did you give notice on that school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before Christmas, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be able to teach her next year. Is the way I put it. They did, and that's ask. because of a. Uh, that decision. Yes. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you know, I'm in a situation, I'm in the position where I don't need to 
do that. Some of the other people that I worked with, some of my colleagues are not in that kind of situation and they had to stick around. And so I've heard stories, but yeah, stuff like that. It really, and it's, it's a, it's a pretty bad example, but I, I've run across things like that before. And that the, at this particular school, it had been a struggle over the years. And there had been one very um, sympathetic um, teacher on the, you know, on the key committees who was ma- managing to keep uh, the, um, the wolves at bay. Uh, but he retired and, as we know from personal experience, when key people, key gatekeepers leave, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call them gatekeepers, but that's what I've discovered is that a lot of times have no idea what's going on because the person who is uh, the interface between the university or the administration and the teachers is protecting you from an incredible amount of insanity. Yeah. And I don't think there's any other way to put it, right? No, there is no other way to put it. And, and the, the, it's unfortunate because that position is so often um, misunderstood and underappreciated because it, it's, a, it's a really hard spot to be in. Having, both of us having been in that spot, we know what we're talking about. Yeah, yep. and I think that's why we can talk about our pet peeves and break it up <laughs> into the areas of a school in general and um, students and even other teachers. But let's kind of focus just on school pet peeves so you have the misnaming of classes or the intentional misnaming of classes actually <clears throat> sure what what else i think you there's a few things that bother you i think mandatory makeups let's uh, let's tackle yeah, that one. yeah we talked we talked about that too right where um students who and it, it'll vary from school to school but i think a common thing is that students who receive um, a final grade of 50 to 60 are entitled to a, a retake of the final examination, um, which, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sit well because you know I've I've given the student my grade. Um, <clears throat> we you know we, we we went through the semester. The student did the, did or didn't do the required work at at acceptable or unacceptable levels. There was or there wasn't the final exam. Took it all into consideration, and this is the grade that I've given the student. Um, I don't understand the need for a, uh, a retake of the final exam. I, and again, there's all kinds of false assumptions about you know what role the final exam plays in the in the actual grade evaluation of the of the individual student and so forth. But yeah, it's I've <laughs> I've done this already. <laughs> Decision's been made. Yeah, I know that feeling. I, fortunately, I haven't had too much of that, and most of my classes don't even have final exams. There's final presentations, or right? Some exactly. Other. So, I can't. If somebody asks me to do a mandatory makeup of the test, I have to say I'm very sorry, but um, there was no final test. Yeah, I had a situation. I had a, a very enjoyable situation last year when um, I did, and I, you know, and this was one of the few cases where you know a student pretty much shows up all the way through and you know I got to and I failed the student and he deserved to fail uh and he was absent and absent from absent from the final exam and I said well okay fine he got the message he's not going to pass he's not going to bother and a couple of weeks later from the school get a request to, to give this kid an exam and I says well I'm willing to do that I'm willing to make an exam that you can administer them. however you should know <laughs> That mathematically, even if he gets a hundred on his exam, he's still not going to pass the class, and it seems rather cruel to make him sit through an exam and have you know, your staff administer the test when mathematically he can't pass. And because reason A, reason B, reason C, and reason D, um, and you know, to the school's credit, they they backed me up on that. And they says, okay, no, no test necessary. 
Yeah, that's it's a good point when you turn to people and say, look, even if the kid scores 100. I've had <laughs> students at some schools where they don't show up at all, mm-hmm. uh, and the they come in to take the test, and I say, look, you could take this test, but even if you score 100, which there's just no way you could score 100 on my test, when I was giving tests, right, that, sorry, game over. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, the mandatory tests and the, oh, what I really hate is when you fail a student and then you're asked not to fail the student. I've had that very happen to me very rarely, but God, a few times get, for me only. It just takes once, man. It just takes once. You're right. It's one of the most offensive things in the world when you well, tell. Well, I don't. I remember when it happened to me. I long, long, long time ago it must have been at the start of my teaching career in Japan, and I was just like, "Look, I'm not going to change the grade." However, if you want to change the grade, you can go ahead and do it. But if I change that grade, I have to – it changes all my grading, right? Because you can't give up a, a kid yeah, who did that, mean, no that work. means everybody else gets 100. Everybody, it was one of those situations where I actually said that. I said, excuse me, but if, you, if I pass this kid, then everybody else in the class deserves 100 and my top students deserve 180. Yeah, so I think it has to go to eleven. My <laughs> amplifier goes to eleven or something. So yeah, but that's that's that's, that's very offensive. I mean, it basically just says that you know you know what you spend your life doing, you know, what you you know, you know blood, sweat, and tears, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What do you come and crank out fifteen weeks here? It has no meaning to us, right? It would it's work that way, and it would make sense if the class was pass fail in a way. Hmm which I think a lot of the classes should be, that you mm-hmm. either pass mm-hmm. or you fail. And then it, it has no effect on other students in a right. certain way. But, <clears throat> yes, the uh, the pass the failing student um, is... I think you're right that it's just looking at you and saying, however you choose to assess or evaluate students has no meaning to us. Right. Well, not only how you assess it, but just what you do, the actual... T- act of teaching itself i mean it just it just subverts the entire process and it it just makes the whole process devoid of meaning if if you know someone who hasn't been there gets credit for the course it just it it just takes away meaning from everything and um what i use what i use and i haven't had to make this argument with the the schools i've made the argument with with students uh themselves that um yeah, what you're asking me to do is an insult to your classmates. It's not, it's got nothing to do with me, but why you are asking me to diminish their effort? I mean, they were here every day. They got up every morning. They came and they did the work. They typed out the paper. They did what they had to do. And you're asking me to put you on the same level as them. I don't think that you have the right to do that. Well, we can get to our pet peeves about students later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But let's keep focusing on uh, pet peeves for schools. Mm. How about substandard classrooms, equipment? Do you get much of that? I I get a lot of it, actually. There's very few classrooms that I have that are um, really in any way helpful to the teacher. And I've got a couple that are just – I've got a school, for example, that has – learning LL type classrooms, you know, language lab type classrooms, and I've got a pronunciation class, yet I can't use the language lab for the pronunciation class. You can't use? I cannot. Or it's not available? Or... It, no, no, no. I cannot because in order to for the students to use it, they have to have had 
what they call, they need the domain, which means that they need to have had a course that teaches them how to log on to the, the, the university system, et cetera, et cetera. I said, I don't need the university system. I just need them to hear their voices. No, no, I'm sorry. It, it can't be done. Ooh. Thank you. That And, <laughs> and the classroom what? that I'm given, the equipment doesn't work either, so I end up carrying one of these awful little um, tiny tape recorders to classroom and using that. And it's and it's it's, it's a real shame because it's a really gung-ho class and they really deserve a whole lot better. So they have the classroom and they have the equipment, but you can't use it because the students have never been taught how to use it. You got it. And even though you don't even need them to log on to the system, you just need... But they have to log on to be able to get into the computer so that they can record their voices. Yeah. I guess you could do something if a lot of, if they have smartphones. Even if they don't I've have smartphones, that. I've most done, of I've the done cell that phones. Exa- I've done that exactly. And I've, had, I've recommended certain applications from dictation software, translation software, um, apps for their smartphones. And we've done exactly that in class. And it's, and it, you know, it's yeah, it's just, it just spreads like wildfire through the classroom. And they're all downloading the apps and they're all talking into their phones. It's fantastic. So a nice, a nice case where you're able to turn that around, but you're not always able to do something like that. I think when I think about substandard classrooms, I always think about the lecture hall fixed desks. Mm. Yeah, and that's yeah. Well, you get that too, but uh, that's <laughs> big picture. It's kind of that's minor. Some of the crap that yeah, I've come we've talked about that in the episode yeah. about managing the space. But okay, the other how about thing, um, other kind of uh, ridiculous demands that sometimes the school department makes on teachers regarding? You know, let's call it mi- yeah. micromanagement or bad management or. Things like that. We we have some experience there, huh? Yeah, but I'm mean, just before we go on. One of the things about uh, equipment. One of my pet peeves is that for every I use, as I mentioned before, I like to use projectors, and um, I'm using the audio equipment to and the speakers in the classroom. And for every class, I always have to go to an office, pick up a key, then go to the classroom and unlock a cabinet, and then. Close the cabinet down and return the key. And my question is, who in the world is going to steal a projector remote control? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have to return the key? You you have to keep the key during class, right? You return the key after class, correct? You don't have to open the cabinet. No, no, no. You don't open the close and go back. But you determine the degree of insanity here. Although I'm sure that there is some university that has that kind of insanity. Mm. But I, I I keep asking these people, why don't you just leave the remote control in the classroom? Who's going to steal it? It's a totally useless... Um, and the other thing is that a lot of the classrooms, the AV cabinet is filled with like a 24-inch analog TV and a VCR. Mm-hmm. And I've so... Got those too. Mm-hmm. I think useless, that's just yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I got the same, same, yeah, same problem, same, same kind of problems. Yeah, there's uh, TVs there, there's a VCR there, there's no standard, you know, VGA, no, let alone HDMI hookup, no audio. You can, you know, you bring your own cables and you kind of jury rig something as as you need to. But um, why is why do you have to fight so hard to do your job? Well, the equipment. 
I can understand maybe with the shortage of money that they haven't upgraded their equipment, but at least keep it unlocked so I can easily get the remote control that is stored in the cabinet for the projector. Something, yeah, something. I mean, just make my know. life easier. Yeah. Okay. So, what else? Um, one of the things that uh, it's 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 kind of a cultural thing, I guess. Um, because I never ran into it until I came to Japan, but it it, it seems rather widespread here, is uh, blaming all for the sins of the one. Oh, you mean group punishment? Yeah. Um, so I, like the, the, the biggest example, the, the, great, the great example, which people still talk about because the policy is still in effect, um, it was about 17 years ago, and um, at you know, one of the larger universities, one of the part-time teachers was you know very blatantly uh, abusing his photocopy privileges, he was using the university photocopiers for Amway sales or some such venture. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Might might have even be Amway, but not to besmirch the name of Amway. But um, so yeah, he was abusing his photocopy privilege. And uh, since that day, at that university, no part-time teacher has access to direct access to a photocopy machine. If you want photocopies for your class. You drop it off seven days in advance in the department office, and they'll make the photocopies for you. Well, that leaves you a lot of room for improvising. Mm-hmm. Especially if something comes up in the news that's particularly relevant to your class that day. S-O-L. You can talk mm. about it next week. Mm. I think it's collective punishment is what it's called. It's called, and, okay. Collective punishment. Right, and if I'm correct, it's against the Geneva Conventions <laughs> or something <laughs> along those lines. Something like that. <laughs> But yeah, maybe since that, they haven't declared war, maybe that doesn't apply. I think that was part of somebody somebody's argument, but this is not a political podcast, so let's not go there. <laughs> but if people haven't been in Japan for a long time, in the in the long ago days when classes uh, finished in mid to early July or mid to early late July, I remember that other teachers would cut their last class. And then leave the country because that one week difference saved them 30,000 or 40,000 yen on their plane ticket because it was low season to high season. Mm-hmm. And naturally now we are required to give tests mm-hmm. during the test period because of the collective punishment of those who abuse the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I guess, a gripe or a peeve about other teachers, but again, yeah. that's an example of that collective punishment. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if somebody's abusing, you know, whatever, you know, whether it's a privilege, whether it's a right, whether it's any kind of, um, you know, leeway or procedure, well, then you deal with the the person that's causing the problem. There's no reason to institute, you know, school wide mandates that they're just. It's and it's a ratchet effect. It, it never goes back. It just keeps getting more and more draconian <laughs> week by week, year by year, uh, whether it's, yeah, leaving the last class or whether it's somebody that's, you know, habitually late for class or ending class early. Um, yeah, deal with the problem. Uh, don't punish the, the other people who are <laughs> trying to do their job, right? Again, you know, people get in the way of doing the job. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, your class deserves a break. You know, they've earned it. It happens. Yeah, there's a lot of I have a lot of funny stories about that, but I think you're right that deal with the person individually. Don't assume that it's everybody has to do it. So now we're all stuck with this. But um, 
We were also talking a little bit about idiotic management ideas. Mm-hmm. I think you have a good example again of uh, one where we were both involved. <laughs> well, your experience might be a little bit closer because it, it didn't actually happen. <laughs> and I yes. only kind of heard about it. Okage Samadeshta. But uh, yeah, the, kind of a, a very bizarre management request where each, and correct me if I'm wrong on the details, uh, each teacher would have been required to submit a written report on each class that was taught to, something like that yeah to management again who and management their, was one person at this point <laughs> in their inf- yeah, I mean, in their infinite in his inf- infinite wisdom would be able to you know sit and judge whether or not you'd had a successful class by your written report of what did and of course it would no doubt re- result in you know an enhanced educational experience for all yeah yeah that was a funny one i i remember when this person presented this idea and i said okay if we do this then we will have no teachers hmm. yeah and oh, yeah and that's that one of those was... cases where the, the gatekeeper saved the day right it's it really is a it, yeah it's insane yeah i don't know the word yeah. for it insane. yeah the other thing that happened at this school i don't know if i ever told you about this but you remember we had the teacher evaluate the students would evaluate the teachers mm. and the administration or whoever it is um, was like this is great this is excellent all the teachers in the english program should be evaluated mm. but the person who was officially running the program refused to have the evaluations given in his classes and said this doesn't apply to me <laughs> and that was just amazing to me and of course, well, that's the same. This is the same person who wanted reports from every teacher. Sure, so, sure. Not, so ama- big... not, not amazing to me. Not, not, not even a surprise. Okay. It's kind of the, kind of the way well, it that... works. It's kind of the pattern. Well, my big peeve here is that schools, for some reason, tend to give administrative responsibilities to people who have no idea how to be administrators or managers. Mm. That's what I don't get. It's a mystery I mean, process somebody... for sure. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this person, obviously, is a, is a great example of somebody who might have been a good academic, but was way over their head in terms of, you know, designing a program. And I'm, you know, sure that they had, they would have had no idea how to create a program that would have been innovative and interesting according to the mandate of the school. And it's it's and something then, more than just the Peter principle, right? I mean, where you advanced your degree of incompetence, but it's more than that, I think. It's, it's... That, that placement else. into it's something else. It's it's not just quantitative; it's qualitative. You, you, you're excelling one air and field, and they somehow think that that qualifies you to to function in in a completely different capacity. Well, remember during that time, this this school was where the one we're talking about when we worked together was exactly at the time when so many schools were trying to restructure and mm-hmm. deal with a competitive environment. So a lot of schools were going to new programs, a lot of environmental, ecological programs, I think, global programs. And what they ended up doing in a competitive environment is putting academics in charge of the committees or the design committees or the programs and creating programs so that they could compete with other schools. And these are people who had never been in a competitive environment in their lives. 
Mm. They'd gone from elementary school to junior high school, high school to college, college into a university job, and had never been in the real world. And then they were supposed to design a program that was efficient, effective, and would be able to prepare students for the real world, and they'd never been in the real world. Wow. And the, yeah, and okay. The, and the, yeah, the sad upshot of that was is that they completely <laughs> ignored and threw out the, the very things that gave them a competitive advantage. I mean, we uh, had we had a program that was, you know, small small classes, really motivated students, and incredible results, incredible results. And this is something that's like, okay, something special is happening here. Let's capitalize on it. No, <laughs> let's destroy all of that and make it just like every other failing school. <sighs> yes, heartbreaking. Yes, yes. Actually, that one is. We can laugh now, but. Uh, it's it's sad, very sad. That was that was a hard time in my life for all of us. Yeah, yeah. but the, the question becomes: How could that happen? How does that happen? That you're right. I never thought about it in that way. That actually the program was giving people a competitive. It was a. It would have given them a competitive edge. High results from what were not exactly high level language learners. A lot of <laughs> learning. A lot of improvement. <laughs> And then they just totally dismantled things because they didn't like it, and it was um, not how they had envisioned it. Which they was, didn't understand. Excuse it. me. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. They didn't. Understand that was the point. Happening. Okay, so idiotic management ideas. Do you have any other idiotic management ideas? Um, just the the tendency of a, a lot of people to micromanage, and it, it comes mm. like from kind of a you know a basic insecurity, uh, inability. You, you, yeah, is, is it? Is it? You know what is it? Transference is it? Uh, projection? They don't think that uh, you know the te- you know the you know the people that they've hired are capable of doing the job, and so they they need to like stick their noses in and, and you know put their stamp on it because they can't imagine it being done in a, a different way. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my my thoughts on on that whole management issue is to you know you you your job is done in the hiring. You know, you choose people who can do the job and then get out of their way and let them do the job. Um, don't hire people that you're going to have to micromanage. If, if, you've, got, if you've got to hold their hand and, and look at what they're doing in every classroom, ask for written reports or to hand them a minute-by-minute you know, minute syllabus, then you're hiring the wrong people. That, the system is broken. <laughs> you're, you've hired the wrong people. Maybe I have to wear a T-shirt to my next job interview that says, "If you need to micromanage, don't hire me." <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. I mean, because I I don't respond because... well to being micromanaged. Yeah, right. And you have to trust people. I think you're, it's a very good point. Hire people and then trust them to do the job to carry out your goals and objectives. And There's that requires a, great... a whole a, a lot of self confidence on the part of the, the coordinator, the hirer, the manager. Right. Uh, that person's got to have enough confidence in in himself or herself. In order to, you know, trust and have confidence in the other people as well. It says yeah, as much about know. them as it does about the other people. Yeah, how it, the, it's the psychology of a micromanager. That's an interesting uh, topic in and of itself. But as I've said, one of my real pet peeves is a lack of clarity of the objectives and goals for a given class. I think that's, this, that's largely intentional. It goes back to my things. They call it English, you know, English communication, and it's a, it's a TOEIC prep class. Yeah, yeah what you know, you, you can't come out and say what the goals are. 
<laughs> you, you you come up with some some stuff that just completely obfuscates exactly what's going on. It just hides whatever's happening. There's there's the, it's anti goal, right? But that's a situation where you usually get micromanaged. <laughs> that's what's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I may have told the story that I was working at a school um, recently, and I was asked to you know help out they needed a teacher on short notice and i was available and i went in and they asked me to come in and meet the coordinators of their pros the coordinated program and after talking to the person i turned and said okay what's the objectives and goals for the classes and this teacher looked at me and said finish the textbook there you go and i said sorry um, let me rephrase my question what are the objectives and goals for the class and again the person said finish the textbook and this i think had nothing to do with um intentional vagueness i think this person just had no concept of education mm, mm. it was somebody who was in an english language program because they had a background in linguistics and they were hired and oh they're and no idea how to coordinate and would not admit that they didn't know and I'm sure I was probably the only teacher who asked that question. Everybody else was like, okay, you're giving me the textbook, I'll accomplish the textbook. I can't teach in those situations. I need to know what I'm, where I'm supposed to take a student. And when people don't give me that information, then please don't get upset when I take my students in a different direction. Hmm. I finished the textbook, yes, and I also taught them other things. Oh, you're upset that I just didn't do 100% of the textbook? I'm sorry, we got through the textbook in 15 minutes in class every day. <laughs> I could have finished the textbook in five weeks. What do you want? Hmm. So, yeah... Lack of clarity, intentional vagueness, misnaming of classes, idiotic management ideas. Um, oh, another one of my pet peeves, and whoever came up with this idea, I think, should be imprisoned for life, is the idea that students are customers. Hmm, okay, very good point. Really good point. How do you feel about that? Because that just makes me go crazy. Um well, it, it's uh, yeah. It, when you when you for, certainly from our end, it, it drives you crazy. I don't know that there's a way around it, especially with you know private schools. I, I think that people, a lot of the people in management positions can't help but see things that way, and it's going to have unfortunate consequences down the down the ladder as it as it filters down to us. Um, it's a question of how much it impacts the day-to-day and how much it actually impacts the education itself. Uh, there are times when, yeah, it's there, it's there in the background. Um, there's an awareness of it, but you know the teachers are given enough respect, enough autonomy where it's like, okay, they, you know, people get it. There are other times where the the educational aspect takes a total backseat to, you know, keeping the students happy. Um, and you know, depending on the students and the student body, um, that can be <laughs> not bad or not so bad or tragic. Well, if it's student is customer, then I agree with you, you know, that it can be tragic. But if people are going to do the student is customer thing, then come out and just say, we're in business. We're not here for education. Be honest about it then. And that's what I really hate is that mm. a lot of times I hear the student is customer and the same time is that education is our goal. No, if your student's a customer, then you're a business. <laughs> yeah, and you show me and you, exclusive, eh? and you show me another situation where a customer has to be productive. And 
you know, once the once the students figure out that the school is treating them as customers, they have total control over the teachers and the classes. I've seen that happen at the schools where they're so scared of losing even one student because sure. their enrollment levels are so precariously at the brink of going over the edge. Yeah, the whole thing is turned on its head. It's all upside down and inside out. Yeah, yeah, because there's no way students are customers, right? There's just no way, unless I guess um, a fitness coach would fall, would have that situation where, but I think that's just an insane, insane policy. Okay, so that's management. That's management. What about pet peeves about students? You want me or should to we leave that for another episode? No, no, no. Let's let let's, yeah. Let's. I think we're because we're we're done with the, the management aspect. Let's get on to the students. And um, I've got one. I think you probably share this one with me. And uh, I preface it just a little bit by saying that yeah, a lot of this, I think, has to do with university culture, and, I, and that's a topic that we want to get to at some point. You know the, how different universities have completely different cultures, completely different relationships between teachers and students, student attitudes, right on down the line. And I don't know where it comes from, but it's it's palpable. But uh, one of the um, offshoots of this, and it happens, again, more at some schools than at others, um, is this when you encounter one of your students outside of class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And and you're invisible. <laughs> suddenly, you're suddenly <laughs> invisible. <laughs> they don't know you. They've never seen you. They're not even seeing you at that moment. You're just are. You just do not exist. And and it and it's student to student, but it, it, a lot of it is university to university because different places you see kids out of class. You get the smile. I get hugs. <laughs> I get the the big hellos. Um, and it, other times you get these kids just skulking. <laughs> along the edge of the walkway, eyes forward or eyes down, and just like, and you just, it's like, what the? You, you, wait, wait. You're not talking about other foreigners in Japan as you're walking down the street and your guys are walking. <laughs> it's just like each that. Other. It's just like that. It's yeah, just like yeah, that. And yeah. maybe maybe it's part yeah, of the culture the, thing they're picking up. I'm not sure. Maybe they're learning it from 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 the other teachers. I, I know this, I know what you're talking about with the it's students, possible. but I never made the connection that it also happens with other foreigners. Yeah. You know, you see the guy and the other or the per, other person sees you, and all you have to do is you know do that little nod and move on, right? And I've seen people stare at windows and look Oddest at contortions know. to avoid eye contact eh? exactly and the students do that too yeah, my yeah. students do that I hate that oh god it drives me nuts it drives me nuts what do you do do you wave well, do you it depends on the kid it depends you know how long ago I've had is it a kid from that semester is it from previous semester well, I just let it go I you if you start letting little things like that get to you you're you're, you're done and, <laughs> you and we would never just, let anything get to us. We would never. Let well, you got to to the, the degree that you can. You got to let it roll off. Otherwise, you're you're in an asylum. Okay. What other things that students do make you? But crazy? Uh, yeah, interesting. But I do want to at some point in the future get onto that, that university culture thing. Yeah, and, we you know, do and that. I think I don't know, and, and I don't know with this with this uh, t- students ignoring the teacher, devil's advocate, just for a moment. Um, I can, <laughs> I can see. Or imagine um, uh, someone explaining to me that that I don't understand Japan and that the reason that they don't acknowledge your presence or existence is a kind of 
sign of respect that they feel like they're not worthy and they cut you that extra berth? You, you buy that? Uh, you buy that? Playing devil's advocate, <laughs> I would say they would never do that to a senpai in one of their clubs. Okay, yeah, then that's very good. They would be yeah. burned really badly for sure. not doing an, um, a greeting in Aisatsu to a senpai in a club. Right, yeah. They, you're right there. They should be doing more rather than less. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, sorry, I think... I've, I've watched students when um, I've been gathering up my stuff and they kind of start use the room as for a, cl- a club meeting or something. Mm-hmm. And to... The students are unbelievable. They're using Keigo, the formal Japanese, with each other. And the students, who I think have no manners, are very well-mannered. And mm. you can see that they don't think a professor deserves that. Mm. But uh, here's one that makes me crazy, is that I have this attitude that you don't go through the door before me. <laughs> you know, when I was a student in the university, you know, we would never dare walk through a door, you know, again moving in opposing directions, right? And mm. there's a door and there's only room really for one person to move over. We would always wait for the a professor. Yeah, yeah. And I don't yeah, I don't know that I've had yeah, that, and, but yeah. But I see students all the time just, you know, make trying to make me stop and my attitude is I'm sorry, I don't stop for you. You know, it's yeah, kind of like a lot the of people them are who pretty stand oblivious. in front of train doors. Oh geez. Yeah. Oh I mean yeah, that that kind of oblivion is not uncommon here. Okay. How about the student when you ask them for their homework and they say they were absent? Ah, that was on my the list. The week before. Yeah, I didn't know we had homework. Say, <laughs> oh, you want to box their ears. <laughs> uh, no, my students don't even say they didn't know there was homework. They just said, I was absent last week, as if not being absent <laughs> means I have no responsibility. Connect the dots, Doc. <laughs> well, this goes back to uh, what you talked oh. about, university culture, where for them it's that's an excuse it's a reasonable excuse and i have to always say excuse me but are we in kindergarten here uh that one makes me crazy especially since i have a website that has all the assignments yeah, yeah. and i get and I, and I get the opposite and i get the opposite too right i get kids who's like oh, i'm sorry i was absent do we have any homework not right. often you but do. it happens right and and, you, and 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 i get the other ones that said yeah um what do you mean i was absent all right yeah, since this is an episode on pet peeves, we don't have to balance everything out. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to be fair and balanced like Fox News. <laughs> One of the other things that the, really not hit doing me the, the homework. Um, yeah, uh, students. Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish up the homework. Oh, the one where um, you walk into class and the students are copying homework from their friend and you're, yeah. you like walk over and look at them and they keep doing it and they think that you don't understand. That, you know, excuse me, but if you're going to cheat, would you please <laughs> cheat in a way so it's not right in front of my face? Oh, that they're, one's pretty they're funny. funny. They're funny. You have any more about students? Yeah. Oh, jeez. But we don't have um, a lot of time. Yeah, we're running out of time. But uh, one of the things that uh, happened this year, again, university culture at this one particular school, um, it just struck me how determined and how how bent these this group was, these couple of guys, handful of guys. Um, the, the class has to do, everybody in the class has to do some kind of project. It's totally up to the student. You know, it's, it's a reading writing class. They can do reading journals. They can do uh, extra book reports. They can do eh, free, open, whatever you want to do. These guys, they took 
probably 10 to 15 minutes together with me. And they're trying to, you know, think about Greco-Roman wrestling. What would be the least effort? What would require the least amount of work that they could do their presentation? What's, what's, you know, how many pages? Uh, how many words? Um, if I do the reading journal, how many, how many times a week? How many of this? Oh, I do a report. How much does that have to be this? How big margins? They were just getting <laughs> to the, to the second. What is the minimum? What is the minimum <laughs> that they have to do? To just, I said, it all just comes down to how good of a grade you want. I said, if you want a really good grade, then do your best. If you want, if you want a shit grade, just do some shit work. <laughs> it's that easy. Well, you got it. You got to give them credit for at least <laughs> having, you know, a system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, when but- students. Tr- at a certain way, I understand that students would want to do the what's the minimum for passing because when I was going through university, ah, me too. I tried to do my best, but you know, you wouldn't walk up to the professor and say, "Excuse me, can you tell me what do I minimally have to do so I can get exactly a 60? Or you don't try no, to engage I, them in the I, deception. <laughs> it's kind of like the students want to figure out what do I need to get to get a fifty-nine point five one grade, so you have to round up, and I don't have to do the extra fifteen minutes to get the point five. Exactly. Uh, exactly. The other pet peeve, another pet peeve of mine, students who don't take notes. Mm. Right? Yeah, you write a new word on the board. I don't know how many they don't do, take right? notes. And then they complain at the end of the semester that you haven't given handouts or prints. No, mm-hmm. because you don't take notes. I want you to take notes. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, other pet peeve, students who in their evaluations mark you down for not following the syllabus even though that the other question says did you read the syllabus and it, it says, says no, no. <laughs> says, no. Then how do you know that i didn't follow the syllabus uh, i think we have to actually address the issue of university culture at some point because i mm. think it's not it's well known in japan but maybe not outside of japan that this basically club med for four years mm-hmm. for them and that their social lives are considered far more important than their academic lives. And that's kind of changing, but we have to address that at some point. Okay, so we've had some pet peeves, kind of a light, easy session today. Takeaways. What do you think? What would be the takeaways? Well, thinking about some of the, um, you know, the mismanagement and uh, the straw issues that come up and the odd things that um, you know people will sometimes you know administration management will complain about um, you know, just the importance of documentation. Mm. Um, what you're doing in cl- what you're doing in the class. I mean, you know, doesn't I mean? And again, these <laughs> doesn't need to be notarized or you know official copies of things. But you know, main keep your notes. Keep your notes. What you did. Um, document what kids are being graded on. What your grades are based on. Um, Test scores, quiz scores, uh, participation, whatever it might be. Documentation, documentation, documentation. You just never know when you're going to need it. That's a good point. And what I'd suggest for people to do, this is a great use of uh, Twitter. If you Mm. keep your Twitter account private, as soon as you have a little problem or something with a student, and because it forces you to have those really short messages, you just send a tweet to yourself. Ah, Taro-kun... didn't do the homework and then muttered under his breath mm. and then boom mm. you just tweet that or gave the quiz everybody failed um 
Twitter's great that way, and then you never have to worry about the tweets being lost. Good so, one. Okay, so documenting. Okay. Um, I'd say that it's business for this, the office people. For most office people, they have no idea what we're doing in the classroom. They have no idea about education. University is just a bit... They're administrative people. It's business for them. And keep in mind that that's how they see it. They see yes, it as... Yes, yes. They're, they're looking at, the, they're looking at what you, that this object, this thing there from a completely different perspective than you are. Right. And, and they th- different from your students as well. And they think the school runs because of them. And yeah. from their perspective... Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen that often. That it's as if they think that the school would actually function without teachers. Probably Whereas func- teachers, they think it would function better without teachers. <laughs> it would be a, this school would be a great place if there were no teachers and no students. It would be. A, uh, heaven, right? That's like that Twilight Zone with Meredith Burgess, right? Where the world gets destroyed and all the population of the world. And he's a reader. He loves to just oh. read, and he thinks he has all the time in the world to read. Yeah, you remember that? Yes, and he breaks his glasses. At, right. At, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Heartbreaking. How about be fucking Oh, that was a great one. Okay. Um, I think. Well, the other, the other really... facet of that, and other, you know, with, with the uh, them looking at it as business, is to, to the to the degree that you can adapt. I mean, figure out what it is that they're seeing, what it is that they need, and how you can somehow give them enough. <laughs> and still do your job. Hmm. Um, yeah, find Adapt some kind to of each balance. School. And each school is different. Each school is different. Yeah. What works in one place is not going to necessarily work in the other. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's a good point. Is figure out, you know, uh, do what your students were doing. Figure out what's the <laughs> minimum <laughs> you have to do to satisfy the administrative people. Just do it in really, private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we are doing exactly what, <laughs> and they're the administrative people. They must have they must have two administrators talking a podcast about why are teachers only trying to do the minimum amount that we require of them. Uh, I know I do that with paperwork. Mm. So, right, I only you know whatever they do with paperwork, I try to minimize it mm. as much as possible. Ah, so especially for example, when you're writing your syllabus, sometimes they have needs. Sure, yeah, write you your syllabus have, you, in a way yeah, that it satisfies what the they want, but still gives you enough freedom to adapt. Make sure all the blanks have something in them. Yeah, and I always have a thing in my syllabus that says the syllabus is tentative, and I will modify and adapt the syllabus to the needs of the class. And so it's my little disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something like that, then you're covered. Cause, yeah, because uh, no one ever reads it anyway. So, right. And you also mentioned you have to adapt to each class and each class, each, each class, and even individual students. You have to really sit down and, and figure out what's going to work with them. I mean, because university, university, we talked about university culture a lot today. You know, at least mentioned it a lot. Um, different classes within within the same university, different majors, different levels, and things. Completely different tacks you have to take. And uh, figuring out what's going to motivate them, um, how far do you need to bend, and what you know what you think is the right thing to do, and how far you can make them bend without breaking, um, or you know just just going cold on you. Uh, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough balancing act. Yeah, we should talk about how do you balance those things. Well, That's I don't really know. hard. <laughs> I don't know. I was hoping you had. An I don't answer. know. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you yeah. do your best. That's all you can do, right? But yeah, we can right. that, bat that around a bit. Yeah, yeah. So adapting to classes and students, I suggest you count to ten, and when dealing with administrators, count to a hundred. Mm. Is how <laughs> I work it out. I mean, I've actually sat there once and actually counted to a hundred because I just thought if I opened my mouth, I was going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, and those things can't get taken back once they're out. Uh, <laughs> no get, once a genie's out of the body, you can't get that back in. Yeah, yes, it's it's really true. You you'll be you could be forgiven, but it's never forgotten. Mm. And I, but I've I've let the genie out of the bottle so many times now. I just there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing I can do anymore. There's nothing mm. I can do. Okay, so I think we've covered some of our pet peeves. And we didn't even get to our favorite pet peeve, which was, you know, about other teachers. What's about the things yeah. that other teachers do that make us crazy? You know, I try to avoid them as much as I can, so that's not, yeah. <laughs> not a big thing for me. That's, that's, that's the way I've learned to deal with it. Avoidance. Well, the advantage of it is, is that we do get to work alone. Mm. It has its ups and downs and its yeah, good it's, points. That's it's right. You walk in your classroom, close that door, and you're on your own. That's... Uh, it's a wonderful Is that why the students always job. get the, the fear the fearful look in their eyes? Yeah. <laughs> it's because they realize he's closed the door. It's, he's it's closed his the door. Domain. That's, there we go. That's right. Okay, so I think we've covered some good points, Tony. You feel and, better? Uh, um a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and we talked we'll about some yeah, the, the you know the takeaways and things. And we talked about maybe with the, at the end of the show we talk about some some new stuff, whether you're with a piece of technology or or uh, a book or something that we found. Um, you mentioned today that you used um, uh, your Twitter account as as a as a note taking or a memo uh, saving device. Mm-hmm. I think that was really interesting. My Twitter is not at all private, so unless I had a separate account, which I could do. Um, but a little bit too risky because I would end up posting to the wrong one for sure. But <laughs> and I yes, would be and I, and I would be very very sorry. But uh, a bit of so- a piece of software that I use um, a lot is um, for specifically that kind of thing is Evernote. Okay, it's a it's a it's a as, as its name implies, it's a, a note taking software, but it's adaptable for so much more. You can. Um, write long bits in it, actually, and I actually for the show is that for the show is actually what I use to take my notes and things during the week, um, and to put the outline and things together. Um, but it it's it's great because it takes anything. It takes video. It takes photographs. It takes PDFs. It takes um, audio. Um, as as just adds it all. You know, you just put it in. It takes it as a note. It's there. It syncs on Dropbox. Uh, it's there on all the machines. It's on my phone. It's on my iPad. Um, it's a nice little piece of stuff. Evernote. Windows, Mac, and Linux. And, and it's cross-platform. Works on iPad and works on Android. And you've got access to your stuff online. There's yeah. another great thing about it, too, is that it's a great web clipper. Mm-hmm. But if you import a photograph that has text in it, it can actually search the text. In a JPEG, which is yes, good. that's right, that's right. It scan it scans those things automatically. And it makes it searchable text. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Everybody, Evernote's like Dropbox. It's everybody think, should be using it. Well, let me think again. It's a good point about Evernote. Thanks for mentioning it because I realize um, when I have a new machine, what are the first things I put in? Dropbox is always first, mm-hmm. and I think Evernote is second. Hmm. 
Interesting. Good call. Good yeah. call. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just Evernote.com, E-V-E-R-N-O-T-E. And it's free. And it's free. Can't beat that. Free. Can't beat that. Free as in beer. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> okay, so we're going to try, I guess, at the end of each episode just to mention a piece of software or a book we've read or something, an article that might be of interest to the audience, these little yeah, one-minute, two-minute mini-reviews. Okay. Yeah, little new stuff. New stuff we found. Okay. All right, okay. so that's it, huh? And people can find us where? At twoteacherstalking.com. Yeah, and that's the website. And send us email at twoteacherstalking at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, also on Skype at, uh, surprise, Two Teachers Talking. And, of course, if you're listening, you found us on iTunes at Two Teachers Talking. And... Uh, we're available in many forms, in many formats. Yeah. And again, we um, welcome and uh, dare say beg for your uh, suggestions, your input, your ideas, uh, things that you'd maybe, you know, topic suggestions, things you'd like to, for us to explore, talk about, think about, um, yeah, even maybe people that you think we might talk to. We're thinking about uh, a few shows down mm. the road and incorporating some interviews and some uh, some new voices uh, other than the, the two of ours so um, again your ideas suggestions very very welcome please share okay okay you, you said something about beer Charles beer yes I think you, I'm going to go get a beer. beer you said beer and that's, that's where I'm going to I will I will beer for now <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks and until next time uh, be well. Yeah, be well. Stay cool. Yeah, see you. <laughs> Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.